0: Hello friends, I'm Alan Kirshner from Eschatos Ministries. As a Christian, you can't help but hear the news and watch the turmoil of our day and know that the return of Christ is nearing. Bible Prophecy Daily is committed to the daily feeding of God's people to make overcomers. But there is a material cost to this global outreach. Please consider committing to giving to Eschatos Ministries on a monthly basis. You can easily do so by clicking the support button in the corner at the podcast website at BibleProphecyDaily.com. We appreciate you and pray that God will bless and strengthen you. Thank you. You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hey friends, this is Travis Snow and welcome to the podcast. Today I want to look at the question, why are the nations drunk with rage against Israel and the Jewish people? By now I am sure that we are all more than aware of the events, the heinous events that were carried out by Hamas terrorists in southern Israel on October 7th not only on a Sabbath day, but also on the last day of Sukkot, which is supposed to be the most joyous day on the biblical calendar. And though those events were, of course, shocking, I think for a lot of us, what has been equally, if not more shocking, has been the response of people all around the world to these atrocities, and in particular, the rise in anti Semitism, overt, explicit, unveiled anti Semitism that we have seen. College campuses have erupted with protests in support of Hamas and calls for violence against Jewish students and places of worship. Anti Semitism has reached levels in the West that have literally not been seen since the days of Nazi Germany. Multiple members of the United States Congress have doubled down on the false narrative that Israel is an oppressive, apartheid, and colonizing force practicing genocide against Palestinians, despite all proof to the contrary. And perhaps most disheartening of all, many Christian leaders in response to these events have taken this as an opportunity to broadcast their replacement theology— which is closely tied to anti-Semitism which maintains that Israel and the Jewish people are no longer in any sense the chosen people of God Uh, despite the Apostle Paul's clear rebuke to this type of theology in Romans 9 through 11 and for me that's been one of the most surprising and discouraging aspects of all of this is that in a moment of uh, Jewish suffering that's unparalleled since the Holocaust you've had more and more Christian leaders just saying, well, you know, remember the Jews aren't the chosen people and the church is the new Israel. And I mean, talk about a failure to discern the need of the moment and the reality and gravity of the moment, let alone a failure to discern proper or accurate uh, New Testament teaching. So with all of this, We have to ask the question, I know a lot of us are asking this question, what is the purpose of God in all of this, and how should we as Christians and Messianic Jews be thinking of these things within a biblical framework? And that's what I want to look at today, and I want to take as our primary point of departure uh, Zechariah chapter 12, uh, verses 2 to 3. We could look at the whole passage, but we'll focus in on these two uh, verses because I really think they help us understand how the nations will be increasingly responding to Israel in the days ahead and what we as believers need to be thinking through and preparing for. So this is is Zechariah chapter 12, starting in verse 2. The Lord says, Behold, I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around or to all the surrounding peoples. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples and all who lift it will be severely injured and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. Now I do want to note also on the front end that Zechariah 12 is about the final invasion of Israel that will take place during the final tribulation, what would more uh, technically be called Daniel's 70th week, that will lead to the second coming and Israel's corporate salvation as an entire nation. So, just brief disclaimer: I'm not saying that what we are seeing now is the ultimate fulfillment of Zechariah 12. Zechariah 12 is about future events. However, we are beginning to see the initial fulfillment of this prophecy, and let's say kind of the precursor events to the fulfillment of this prophecy on a world stage in a way that we have not seen in many, many decades, if, if ever. And this is a trend, this kind of fulfillment process of Zechariah 12 will continue throughout our lifetimes, and into the last days, unto the return of Jesus. So I, I think it's a, an important prophecy for perspective. And as my friend, Pastor Nick Uva up in Connecticut says, we may not yet be seeing or witnessing end-time events in the sense of the final tribulation, but we are definitely witnessing end-time dynamics, So that's why Zechariah 12 is so important, because it gives us a a window into the end-time dynamics of how the nations will be responding to Israel in the days ahead. And so I want to kind of make some observations from this text, and then we'll go into some practical applications at the end of how we should be responding as believers. And notice, first of all, in Zechariah 12.2, That God says he will make Jerusalem, and by extension, I would say all of Israel and the Jewish people, a cup of staggering to the peoples, a cup of staggering. And this is language that implies that Jerusalem will bring spiritual drunkenness upon the nations prior to the return of Jesus. It indicates that it will be God's holy city and the presence of the Jewish people there that will cause the nations to act in increasingly irrational, illogical, and destructive ways as though they are drunk. That is, that is what's meant by that phrase, that Jerusalem will be a cup of reeling. It's a Hebrew phrase that connotes shaking and trembling and is often associated with drunkenness. One translation, the contemporary English Bible translation, also translates it as, I have decided that Jerusalem will become a bowl of wine that makes the neighboring nations drunk. And this is why so much of what we see right now, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't add up when you look at the nation of Israel, when you look at the history, when you look at the false narratives and you think, how could people be motivated by this type of hatred? How could people be siding with Hamas over the Jewish state for all of Israel's problems notwithstanding? I'm not I'm not a cheerleader for modern Israel. I, I used to live in Israel as a matter of fact. So I understand that it is a uh, mostly rebellious nation that has rejected the Lord it's not, you know, paradise on earth or anything, but still to to fail to recognize God's purposes for the nation and to fail to see that there's no moral equivalency between Hamas and, and the Jewish people and the state of Israel, this is a form of deception and it's a form of drunkenness that is predicted in scripture that will characterize the nations prior to the return of Jesus. And you see this kind of language used in other places as well. I was just going to note uh, Isaiah 51, 20, 21 to 22. God actually is speaking of Israel there and he says, I will make you drunk, but not with wine because the cup of reeling or the chalice of his anger is in their hand. And so it's the same idea there that God puts this cup of intoxication in someone's hands And it just leads them to act in a way that is irrational and makes no sense like a drunk person. But in contrast to Isaiah 51 and Zechariah 12, it's Jerusalem in particular that is the cup of reeling. Jerusalem is the cup of drunkenness. And another observation I want to make from this text is how it uses broad, even all-encompassing type of language to denote the widespread nature of the hatred that will be directed against Israel in the last days. The idea here is that many of the nations and especially those that are in proximity to Israel will drink from this cup of intoxication and be deceived regarding God's covenant love for the Jewish nation. So in verse two, for example, this is an interesting uh, textual detail It actually doesn't use the typical word cup, which would be the Hebrew word kos. Instead, we find the word bowl or basin, which is saf. So a more literal translation would be that God is making Jerusalem a large bowl that the nations will drink from, which will cause their spiritual drunkenness and stupor. And in the words of biblical scholar David Barron, the idea here is that this is a larger vessel that's big enough for all the nations to drink out of. So this isn't going to be just some kind of isolated, isolated instance of anti-Semitism in the last days. It's not going to be a small little cup that only this nation and this nation are drinking out of. It's something much broader than that, like we're seeing on the world stage now. And verse 3, same idea. It says, all the nations of the earth will be gathered against Jerusalem. It says, kol ha'adets, all the nations of the earth. There's a, there's a widespread connotation there. There's an element of universal opposition to Jerusalem that's highlighted there. And I also want to emphasize that There's a little bit of a caveat because verse 2 does mention the surrounding peoples, which would be Middle Eastern nations, North Africa. So that's where we're going to see the most concentrated type of anti-Semitism from peoples in those surrounding nations, whereas verse 3 uses more universal language. So there is a little bit of tension there. And I personally believe it will be these people from the Middle Eastern nations and North Africa like... Again, what we're seeing today driving a lot of the anti-Semitism in the last days, which will then filter into the other nations of the world through immigration and other political entanglements. And on a practical note, that's why all of this is so important, no matter where you live as a Christian, no matter who you are, no matter what country or state you live in, it's because the issue of Israel is something that is going to be on everyone's doorstep as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus. It's not just going to be some isolated thing. And I remember recently I was speaking to a pastor, and he pastors in kind of uh, one of the southern states, not obviously in the Middle East or anywhere like that, or even in Europe. And he was telling me that when he first became aware of God's plan for Israel and the errors of replacement theology and Israel and the prophetic plan of God, he was so excited and he was telling his congregation, he was telling his his people in his church that he pastors all about this, and he was just struggling to get people to see the relevance of it. He was struggling to get people excited about it. Uh, Because, I mean, think about it, if you're living like I do in Texas or you're living in some rural part of the United States, you've got all your own challenges and issues. I mean, does the issue of, of Israel and the Jewish people living in some land thousands of miles away, does it really matter? And what I would say from Zechariah 12 is, yes, it does matter because this cup of intoxication is going to affect all the nations in some way. This is something that's going to filter out into the world in a, in a worldwide manner. So now is, is the time, even though this might sound you know, somewhat a little bit heavy or depressing, now is the time to understand that everyone is going to be affected by this in some way. And so the church really needs to have this on our radar and understand the will of the Lord so that we don't find ourselves on the wrong side of history. So every church, every congregation, every Christian ministry needs to have a solid doctrine of Israel and a solid understanding of the prophetic scriptures. And I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end as well. And then another observation I want to make from Zechariah 12 is notice how God says not only that Jerusalem will be a cup of intoxication, but he also says Jerusalem will be a heavy stone for all the peoples. And then he says, all who lift it will be severely injured. That is a case in point on why you do not want to turn against Israel. Why do you not? You do not want to turn against God's purposes for Israel. This language indicates that it will be the nation's wicked hatred against Jerusalem and the Jewish people that will seal God's judgment upon them, both in the immediate future and when the Messiah returns. Jerusalem will be for them the source of a crippling injury because they have rejected the will of the Lord and his purposes for the nation of Israel and his chosen people. And the main idea here, it's something analogous to what we see with Pharaoh, for example, in the book of Exodus, or to what we saw with Nazi Germany during World War II. When a person or a nation directs anti-Semitic hatred against the Jews, that is actually a sign that God's judgment is already upon them. It is a sign that God has placed a cup of reeling in their hands, and even though they might carry out certain wicked schemes for a certain amount of time, God will give them over to worse and worse forms of delusion and evil. And then that will ultimately seal their fate and lead to their destruction. So Pharaoh's land was devastated by the plagues and his armies were drowned in the Red Sea because of his anti-Semitism. Haman in the book of Esther was hanged from his own gallows because of his anti-Semitism. Hitler shot himself in the head as the German Reich was crumbling all around him because of his anti-Semitism. Those who turn against Israel will always be dealt with by the Lord in the end. And Zechariah makes clear here that Jerusalem is that heavy stone. So everything is, is leading towards this, and even though we have to bear the burden of it, everything is leading towards this that Jerusalem in the last days will be the heavy stone that will severely cripple and destroy the nations. And so with these observations made from Zechariah 12 about this current moment and and how I think this prophecy sheds light on what will be happening in the days ahead with Israel, I wanted to make just a few practical points about how the church should be responding to all of this. And first, we do have to bear the burden and understand the realities of God's prophetic plan for Israel. And make no mistake about it, this is a burden. Zechariah says in Zechariah 12.1, before he even gets to his prophecy, he says, this is the burden of the word of the Lord concerning Jerusalem. So he recognizes that this is heavy stuff. And as someone, again, who used to live in Israel, and also I'm married to a Jewish woman, I have a Jewish daughter, I have many Jewish friends and family members, I do not always find this to be an easy topic to discuss or to dwell on all the time. There are many other things I would rather focus on. But we have to accept at the same time, even though it's difficult. We have to accept that this is a pattern that the Lord has with Israel as his covenant people. It's been there since the Old Testament, and it will continue until Jesus returns. Because Israel, as the covenant people, has mostly rebelled against God, tragedy, unfortunate. He has always used the Gentile powers to bring affliction and judgment to Israel, which backs them into a corner through anti-Semitism. Because God's righteousness demands that. God's holiness demands that he disciplines Israel. And Paul even says in Romans 2.9, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. And we don't want to frame this in a way that is vindictive or insensitive to Jewish suffering But we have to understand that what we are seeing now on the world stage is the other side of to the Jew first. In Romans 1, Paul says the gospel and salvation is to the Jew first. And that's great. So Israel has certain privileges as the covenant people. However, Paul also says here in Romans 2 that discipline and judgment is to the Jew first. So God will always be dealing with Israel in judgment until they fully repent of their sins and accept Yeshua, Jesus, as their Messiah. And so we can't have stars in our eyes as we move deeper and deeper into the last days, as though modern Israel or is invincible, or as though God would never allow anyone to touch them. That is simply not the way it's been historically, and that is not the way it has been in modern history, and that is not the way it will be into the last days, God will use the Gentile powers to bring tribulation to Israel to prepare them and to basically drain them of all of their their resources and their hope and their rebellion, rebellious attitude towards him so that a remnant can come out of this and be saved. So we have to bear the burden of that and we have to really understand God's plan for Israel and some of the difficult aspects of it here and how it will play out prior to the second coming. And that brings me to uh, second point number two. Because we are alive and on the earth at this time, when the nations are drinking so deeply from this intoxicating cup of anti-Semitism, it is imperative that Christian churches and organizations as well as Messianic synagogues take a verbal and public stance against anti-Semitism. So people need to know where we stand, and people need to know that we support the Jewish people, that we support God's plan for Israel and the Jewish people. That doesn't mean it has to be just always political cheerleading, but there needs to be a very public stance against anti-Semitism so that the nations and the Jewish people themselves know where we stand. And as imperfect as modern Israel is, this cannot involve creating moral equivalencies between the modern state of Israel and the Palestinian leadership. Okay? This is not the hour for the the church to be kind of doing this both sides thing where, yeah, you know, Israel's bad and the Palestinians are bad, so we can't really take a side. That, to me, represents a a lack of discernment and a lack of discerning the real heart of the issue and the heart of the matter and again it doesn't mean we have to put an israeli flag outside every church building uh but it does mean there should be public statements being made against anti-semitism the church should be teaching now in this hour that israel maintains a unique role in the plan of god as a unique covenant people and if pastors lack the background in this area to understand or teach all of this I'd recommend bringing in other qualified teachers and ministers who can teach on Israel's place and the ongoing drama of redemption history. And also at the kind of just political level, the church should be standing in favor of Israel's right to exist as a sovereign nation uh, that has a right to defend itself and to engage in warfare against Israel its enemies. And third and finally, I also want to say in all of this, in spite of the difficulties of all of it, we should maintain some hope and some optimism. God is still on his throne. All things are leading us now to the glorious return of our magnificent Savior. And as Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, but when these things begin to take place, straighten up, And lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And every day that we are on this earth is one day closer, that we are one day closer to seeing Jesus and being in God's kingdom and being in paradise. So we have to believe and we have to understand that the night will pass, that the day will dawn. And yes, there is work to do and there will be suffering that we will be called to endure But you have to know that you're on the right side of history, whatever difficulties may come. You are the Daniels in this hour standing against the forces of Babylon. You are the Esthers pleading with the king on behalf of her people. You are the Dietrich Bonhoeffers working against the Nazis on behalf of God's chosen people. We have to step into this calling and let the chips fall where they may. We have to teach and preach a biblical doctrine of Israel, and we have to teach and preach the full counsel of God regarding God's prophetic plan for Israel, both the positive and the negative aspects. We have to have our eyes wide open. We have to be realists, and we have to be taking a public stance against the anti-Semitism and the wicked hatred that is sweeping the nation's, because of this cup of intoxication. And I'll close with this. One of my favorite movies is The Lord of the Rings, The Lord of the Rings trilogy. And there's this scene in The Lord of the Rings where the young hobbit Frodo, who basically has the entire destiny of the world on his shoulders, he's overwhelmed by his lot in in life. And he tells the wizard Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me I wish none of this had happened. But Gandalf replies to him and says, So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Be strong and courageous, my friends, and maintain your hope. Heaven and the Lord of Armies are on your side. And as always, if you want more in-depth teaching on all of these topics, you can find all of my books and other resources on my website, Shilomedia.org. This is Travis Snow signing off. Take care. God bless. And I'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.